What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Meaning of Podcast. I am Ace. This is RB3. And Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. It's officially 2018, guys. 2017 is behind us. Fingers crossed for 2018 because we're hoping for some positivity in our lives because we had a lot of negativity in 2017. A lot of good things, but still a lot of negativity. And we have a good episode on this one, guys. We have Steven Spielberg Part 2. Because last week we did Part 1 where we talked about a lot of sci-fi, a lot of genre films that Steven Spielberg is known for. But in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of his historical films, a lot of his dramas, a lot of his more grounded, serious stuff that, you know, Spielberg is also known for. Because he's known for both. He can give you the big blockbuster and he can give you the intimate, you know... Academy Award type yeah, film right. that people like watching as well. So Steven Spielberg is again what many consider to be one of the greatest directors of all time. He's able to give you such diverse films and different perspective, per- perspectives in different films. And it's incredible what he's able to do. I'm still baffled by it every time. And mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where when you measure your favorite filmmakers, a lot of people have Spielberg at the top. And it's one of... One of the things that was interesting watching the Spielberg documentary was his ability to be self-aware, to be aware of his positioning as far as an artist and to be aware of the type of films he makes. Because a lot of people say that he's, you know, when he was coming out with Jaws and when he was coming out with all these types of films, a lot of people were calling him a very commercial director. And there's nothing wrong with being a commercial director, but he definitely wanted, he wanted to step out of his own shadow of Mm -hmm. blockbusters. And he wanted to challenge himself for making films that can be a little bit more on the artistic or tour side of directing. Because he was competing with, and he was a very competitive guy, he was competing with his friends who were like Martin Scorsese and, and Francis Ford, Francis Ford Coppola, Coppola Brian, was De Brian De Palma. All, all of these people are his friends. So mm. he hangs out with them. So he did feel a little bit inclined to to dive into a different genre, a different type of film, which is, uh, you know, these types of emotional-driven, you know, type films. And and a lot of films that will connect to the fans and the critics as far as, you know, the type of movies that he's making. So, um, obviously, uh, Sugarland Express was Spielberg's first official feature film. And it's what gave him the ability to make his other films. And it's it's interesting because it was critically accepted well. Mm-hmm. Um, people Especially for a, for a first time. For a, first, for a debut director. They said mm-hmm. it's one of the best debut directors. Um, the, one of the best debuts for a director. And it's interesting because we have so many directors now making incredible debuts like Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig this you know this past year in 2017 with uh, mm-hmm. Lady Bird Get Out Lady Bird and Get Out I mean we there's an incredible amount of those people but Spielberg was one of them with Sugarland Express and following Sugarland Express Spielberg wanted to adapt a book which again he's known for yeah. which is The Color Purple Right 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 I mean of course there's the jaws and and the ETs and all that that comes in between that but you know in terms of a, he, a serious motion picture he wanted to to step out of that you know jaws and et and all these you know c- crazy pictures and he wanted to make a, a more serious type movie with the color purple right and right. he wanted to specifically make it a different perspective than we've seen before and that's you know the you know african-american yeah. you know it's, it's the it's, it's about feel. yeah it's about the african-american experience in the deep south um during this time of incredible prejudice uh you know, a lot of expectations societally uh, that this movie is dealing with. This movie, 
you're right. It's adapted from this book, and I can't remember the author's name offhand. But you know, it's one of the seminal uh, African American tales uh, that we have in, in modern literature um, in terms of capturing uh, the ideological um, misfortunes that we that. Uh, a culture is put under specifically for African American women, right? Um, this movie stars Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, a young Whoopi uh, Goldberg, a young Oprah. Oprah obviously, yeah. names that we know, but it's crazy seeing them in this movie. Yeah, when you rewatch it, because you're like, that's Oprah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's Whoopi Goldberg. That's right. crazy. And this it's a very traditionally, you know, the the book deals a lot in the idea of of patriarch the patriarchy, kind of putting their thumb over. Um, over the women, right? The the way that our society is structured so male dominant, male focused. Uh, this movie is all about a woman exploring what is outside of the patriarchy and how even the African American experience only further, uh, you know, lends lends itself to that. Because after so many years of oppression and slavery, and this is something that we see in, in other Spielberg movies that are going to come up later, Amistad, Lincoln, the idea of how um, how slavery has 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 put um these extraordinary circumstances on african american family and this is where uh this is where that the the lineage for for spielberg doing this kind of begins of course he relates a lot you know in terms of his cultural background he's jewish of course uh that 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 experience of the holocaust and internment is kind of what he adapts here and at least in relating to the african american experience of how the turmoils of the past lead to the grief of the present and but i think where this movie lies especially in comparing to its adaptation is that instead of focusing more on like the relationship aspects with the the lesbian relationship aspects and and it instead chooses to focus more on the oppression of the of these women and i think that's a very interesting way spielberg went yeah a lot of people give him crap for it now you know that why didn't he why did he shy away from that Mm -hmm. but i feel like do you feel like he was playing a little bit too safe with that or do you feel like he went the right direction focusing on specifically the racial oppression and the like you said the matriarchy versus the patriarchy right no i I think that's the direction for for Spielberg to be able to conquer because I mean if I'm being frank and this is nineteen this is nineteen eighty five so nineteen eighty four um so we yeah. weren't seeing a lot of people of color women of color behind the camera. Um, and frankly, and I think he would have thought this too. It would have came off of a little as a little exploitative, like exploitative, to have like these, you know, these kind of sex scenes and undercurrent themes uh, between two black women. It, it would have been really weird, I think, for him to approach it in that way. And he he even made he he himself felt a little embarrassed uh, approaching that th- those topics in this in this material. Um, so I don't know, you know, and it's also a lot, the novel is a lot grittier. It's a lot more realistic. It's more, it's more about, uh, internal turmoil too, which is hard to express inside of a major motion picture. Whereas in a book, you could kind of go from different perspectives, first person perspective. And the movie is more about the external. So you have to vocalize a lot of what was happening here, um, in a, in a big way. 
Um, but I think he does that. I, I don't really want to spoil this movie because I think people should go out and watch this film. It's a real treat of a, of, of a movie, even though it was made in the 1980s. I think it still holds up really well. Um, I kind of disagree with the critics where they're saying, you know, a lot of critics would argue that, oh, it's, it's a little too whitewashed or not whitewashed because there's not really a lot of white people in it, but too a little too like watered down, a little too, you know, uh, safe a little little too too safe safe. yeah yeah versus the novel that it's adapted being so gritty and so realistic and so in your face yeah and this one being much more played down and much more safer i guess is the way yeah 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 so i I think it's i think it's crazy how the movie's going for that so i mean it, it really does go for a lot of the big impactful stuff i mean you there's that great scene that that is like kind of transcended this film where oprah's like all my life i've had to fight you know what i mean like and all of that so again and this movie was even when they were when it came out it was nominated for 11 academy awards um did very well commercially and i think the hand of steven spielberg kind of guiding this movie and guiding these performances you talk about oprah you talk about uh whoopi goldberg, whoopi goldberg and all the other cast members in this movie incredible performances and we, we how many stars have birthed out of this right like talking about literally oprah winfrey one of the few billionaires in the world um this is one of her first major motion pictures right whoopi goldberg big star you know the view and all that stuff so and and all the other all the other cat i'm not remembering exactly who was in this movie but you know the the themes that they're approaching here um write a very fine line between being over the top and being over sentimental but because it feels so real and because Spielberg directs it with this kind of grace, this kind of naturalism, um, this feel that puts you in the environment of the deep south and where this film takes place. I, it feels right to me. So I, I want to ask you specifically, uh, first of all, uh, what was the African-American reception of this film? I, 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 yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. That's first. And then the second question I want to ask you as far as having a director like Steven Spielberg being, like you said before, you know, a, a Jewish director, mm-hmm. um, but also being a white director, taking on these themes, these, you know, very intimate, very delicate African-American themes. Um, obviously we see that all the time, but I want to talk about it specifically with this film because I feel that that's very important, specifically referring the similarities to Mudbound in this film, specifically with some moments and the setting and all that. Um, and Mudbound being directed by uh, Dee Reeves, Reeves, a black woman versus a lesbian woman too. Directed by a Steven Spielberg, who's a much more big commercial white director. Um, what do you think about that? First of all, with the reception. Well, you know, I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about this movie in, in a negative way. I, I watched this movie when I was a kid uh, quite a few times because um, I grew up in a very matriarchal uh, female household. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, watching this movie as a kid, that was very important um, to me, at least, uh, experiencing that movie that way. Um but that being said, I mean, outside of my personal family, I haven't really seen... It's easy for, for a movie like this to get a lot of backlash, right? I mean, the way it's handling, it's portraying this stuff. But, you know, to be frank, a lot of African-American studies courses are still incorporating this movie into the curriculum uh, because it, it, it speaks so potently to what, what they're trying to go for. Even though Spielberg's a white dude and he's Jewish or, or whatever, um, he, he, he's still approaching a lot of these heavy themes with, with, with enough care and enough respect to make it to make it hit really hard. Um, you know, is it would have been easy for this movie to be overly political or overly racially charged and overly racially motivated. But 
what I love about this movie is that you don't really, you know, you get you get stuff like the N word every now and then, or uses or re- reuses of the N word or, or Negro or whatever. But that, and and you you get the racial themes, of course. But it's really an underlying, you know, what what was really at the top here is uh, the struggle of these women, what they're going through, the 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 oppression of being stuck under this this male. Um, the male thumb that, that, that really presses under. And especially for somebody like Spielberg, who uh, a lot of his main characters in his movies are male, uh, male protagonists. But, he, you know, even then, he kind of, you know, Color Purple is female-led. Sugarland Express is female-led. Um, and a couple of his others. But they're mostly male characters, right? But the fact that he was able to, to take that away from the source material and adapt that in a way that felt natural and, and cast... Uh, the, the supporting cast of people who really understood the material as well. Uh, you know, it, it really was like as a director, Spielberg kind of took the backseat and let the actors take the reign, right? And let, let that be the, the storytelling mechanism. Not a lot of flashy camera movements, not a lot of over-the-top editing. It's really more about the performances and the writing and the music, by the way. I didn't even mention that. Um, it's something so soft and so precious. This is the first... Spielberg movie that wasn't composed by John Williams, and one of his only ones that wasn't composed by John Williams, uh, composed by Quincy Jones, uh, did the score for this. So again, it, it re-emphasizes the thematic, like kind of anger, you know, softness, fear that the perspective of this movie is taking place under. So, What do you... Um, have you seen Mudbound, first of all? I haven't seen all of it. No, I haven't seen all of it. But but I, I'm familiar with the story that they're telling. Yeah, I, I obviously, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to make you kind of relate to it at all. Right. But I, I was definitely curious about that specifically. Um, yeah, you, you're right. It, it does have, like, it's very much like, uh, it's an African-American female perspective. Right. Versus the African American American male perspective that right. we get in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. which is a very distinctive feel. You said before the the kind of Academy Award reception this film got. I want to talk to you about something else specifically. Is that we always joke and you always joke about how like the Academy Award always wants to nominate that black movie. Yeah, the one black movie. I, yeah. I want to talk about like something like Moonlight or some something where sometimes Hollywood, specifically the Academy kind of and this is no no like they get some badass um, i forget the name of the guy who directed moonlight what's his name barry jenkins barry, i mean dude that's the guy's a badass like yeah. say what you want the guy's a badass yeah. but at the same time you get a lot of movies that a ton of white people love about black people mm-hmm. like you get that that like white people love the shit out of the like Django. the Django, yeah. but but they love like i mean obviously tarantino but but white people loving movies about black people and black people being in certain situations yeah. versus the black audience not necessarily always loving those movies mm-hmm. um, and, and getting those two perspectives and getting the black perspective versus the white perspective. And then obviously it got it getting all the awards, but all the awards come from white people. Right. You know, the people voting aren't really black people. They're yeah. white people voting for the black people films that they feel properly represent a culture and a people that they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not that culture and they're not that people. I, I want to talk to you about that specifically with Moonlight, right? I mean, right. I, I'm curious. Th- does that does that make a distinction as far as like, man, all these white people are liking this movie about slaves, and it's like, I don't give a shit about this movie, and I'm well, black. You know, I think I think particularly with movies that um, now I think it's starting to change a little bit. I think sure. 
when the color purple came out, let's be real, there weren't a lot of like black movies. Out. Sure. So I'm sure you know. I mean, I wasn't around when that came out, but uh, a, a lot of African Americans are are just happy to see some sort of representation on sure. screen, right? And even the, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like dangerously like overly you know trying to be sentimental it wasn't like driving miss daisy right that's like an offensively like racial movie you know what i mean like that is offensively it's it, it offends me especially considering that came out the same year as do the right thing which is an overly pro-black movie uh but didn't get any oscar recognition um so but 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 speaking to the color purple there isn't anything that's like offensively like overtly bad or racially disrespectful in this not disrespectful um, but overtly like i'm trying to get I'm trying to, to get an oscar yeah 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 i mean you know it's funny you say that because this movie does i mean it panders to oscars i think more on an emotional level sure right and then but again that's part of the story that they're trying to tell sure and that's part of the the source material um but in terms of more modern movies i mean yeah, I'm is, curious because we saw Moonlight together. Yeah, and your first impressions weren't you weren't that impressed. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't either, but yeah. I, you weren't specifically. I grew. I grew to enjoy that movie a lot more as time sure. went by and, and I experienced it more. Um, my problem with that movie was more when I walked out of it was that I was expecting more of like a realism kind of approach to 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 that story. And you got more uh, of an artistic. Yeah, more approach. of artistic stylish, you know, which is fine. I'm I'm all for that. Um, and especially watching it more and more now, I'm, I'm, I got what they were going for. Um, you know, and I'm glad that an artistic movie actually... Won Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. An artistic movie by a black director won Best Picture. And, you know, but I think for, for most black audiences, we, we kind of get tired of the 12 Years a Slave getting nominated again. Django getting nominated again. The Help getting nominated. You know, all of these movies about black people that are oppressed... Frankly, getting nominations and awards, and even Moonlight to a certain extent, but Moonlight was more of a representation of LGBT as well, and more of a. How, uh, how did that go through? Because you, you, I think you talked about it a little bit as far as the yeah. black, black, like black gay, masculinity. Black gay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know that. I mean, I love the movie. You know, so I think that that also that helps with its reception, and a lot of African Americans love that movie as well. Um, you know, of course, there are going to be people who are homophobic that that are have a problem with that within the African American uh, community. Yeah, yeah, but there's also a fair argument to be made that, you know, at least in modern context, there's not we're not you know I don't know how good of an argument it is to make, but there's a there's an argument that you know the the best picture winners either have to be the black best picture nominees and winner either have to be slave movies or gay movies. You know what I mean? Um, What's the Will Smith one that he did like early on in his career? Six Degrees of Separation, where he plays a gay dude. Um, you know, no offense to that, and I I, I disagree with that ideolo- ideology. I think that's horribly misconstrued. Uh, but uh, you know, again, a lot of people want to see themselves represented on television and on film um, in a way that they find respectful. And, and especially with Moonlight coming out in an era where we got like movies like Empire or shows like Empire, which is also a big. LGBT, uh, you know, uh, impactful, impactful television show with the African American cast. So again, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects of it that that influence a lot of different factors in it. But sure, um, I think overall though, I think a lot of Black people are just tired of seeing the help, the help, literally the help being nominated for Best Picture. You know what I mean? Like, or Twelve Years, or we we could go through you're, all. You're the tired of see, you're tired of seeing movies of people kicking the shit out of exactly. Black and then you know when it's like, man, I love that movie where they beat the shit out of that black guy. And that's a good movie. 
Meanwhile, and, meanwhile, movies like Selma have a hard time getting straight not, out of Compton. Straight out of Compton, Creed, movies that Creed. really do celebrate. Creed was badass. Yeah, movies that celebrate modern black culture, and then even going back to the nineties. I mean, Boys in the Hood getting nominations, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, where a dude's literally a driver. Meanwhile, we have this empower we have this empowering uh, pro black movie, Do the Right Thing, not getting Oscar nominations. Boys in the Hood was. A black director, but it's more of a story. Again, more of a story of a struggle, more of a story of the inner city. Um, but that did really well, Oscar wise too, though. Um, You're saying it should be both. It, it should. Just it be should be one. a balance. Exactly. Exactly. And it, and I think especially when it comes to like black directors too, because a lot of times when it's uh, when it's a big black Oscar movie is either Quentin Tarantino, frankly, or another white guy. Yeah, another white guy. So, but now I'm loving that we're seeing like Steve McQueen having his shot, uh, you know, even though he didn't win uh, best director that year, 12 years, Slave came out, uh, you know, you know, he did, he did direct that movie and it did end up winning best picture. One thing I can say is that it has, and and this is, I know you guys are probably thinking, you know, this is a Steven Spielberg conversation. I feel like this is still relevant because the the color purple leads to this conversation and, and it sparks a conversation into modern times because guess what? We're in modern times. And I feel like it is important because of the Academy and because of the Academy Award nomination that the Color Purple got, yeah. that this is a relevant conversation. But going, 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 you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it's also fair to say, you know, this movie did get nominated for a lot of Oscars. Sure. One zero. One Good zero. Point. But, so. it, but it's one of those things, though, that I feel like one thing positive you can't say about those movies that a lot of people might feel like, a lot of African-American community might feel like, man, you know, they're just treating us like shit and then we won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, and white people love that shit. It's it's one of those things though that it did launch a lot of great careers. I mean, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o being one, specifically from Twelve Years, oh, 12 a, slave. years a Slave. Steve yeah. McQueen being another, right? I mean, that guy wasn't that famous before. I mean, he yeah. did he did, he did shame. hunger and shame, yeah. Uh, and w- dude, have you seen Shame? Yeah, holy Crazy shit, movie. it's an incredible movie. Yeah. Um, but and he's obviously a fan of Michael Fassbender too. Yeah. Because um, he works with him a lot. But but it's still, I think that's great. I think no matter what, you get talent. You yeah. Get people who Barry Jenkins. You get people who are who are badass talent being you know uh, observed and i think that's always important that, but i but I, I i'm sorry sorry to cut you off again go but for it. i know i think that's why i'm excited to see something like get out perform at the academy awards and you know what's crazy is that get out is one of those movies it's i mean uh, it's my movie of the year mm-hmm. and it's my movie of the of 2017 for for a reason mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of people now might say, oh you know they just want that black movie no it really isn't. I saw I saw this movie with my mom, who's Latina, who doesn't speak English at all, and we saw it. She fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie with my dad, who's Mexican, and he saw this movie. He loved it. This movie can reach Mexicans, white people, black people. This isn't just about. It is. It is a black film, and it is about black blackness and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. it but it's a movie that can go past that. It's 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 a horror movie. It's tension filled. It's 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 fun. It's funny. It's yeah. emotional. It's interesting. Ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's 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 sci fi. It's mm-hmm. it's it's both sci fi and it's both realistic. It's right. it's 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 relevant. It's socially relevant to me. This movie's badass on so many levels mm-hmm. that I get tired of people saying you know black black this black that. It is, but at the same time. I feel like people can appreciate art when it's fucking badass art, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my spiel on, on Get Out. But I, I, I do want to say that, you know, it is interesting because the Academy usually does cater to those 
movies, and I'm and I'm obviously we're in January second right now, but I'm predicting that Get Out's gonna sweep the Oscars, and I know that might be like, well, what about you know Gary Oldman? All right, Gary Oldman's gonna kick ass, but I'm saying, <laughs> I guarantee Get Out will shock a lot of people. To be honest, I'm I might be speaking too soon. Get Out, Best Picture winner. Really? Not even not even Best Picture nom. It's gonna get a nom. Yeah. It might even get winner. I'm really? I'm 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 that. I'm riding that wave so hard for this movie, and I loved it that much, and my family loved it that much, and my friends loved it that much. My friends who are white loved it that much. Mm. It's it's that good of a movie. It's yeah. that badass of a debut. It's 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 that crazy of a script. It's that cool for sci-fi, and it's that cool for for African American community. And I think especially why you know so many African Americans have responded so well to Get Out is because it challenges the portrayal of African Americans not just in horror movies just the movies in general right the the whole idea of um the black man being able to outsmart this uh you know these circumstances you know this basically trapped in the house of like Stanford wives or whatever that he's able to outsmart every other character in this movie speaks highly to to so to what what we're used to seeing in in, in, in traditional horror movies I, I think essentially what the color purple is bringing us into a conversation of is 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 based on the academy awards the academy is starting to grow and mm-hmm. get more you know get smarter and, right. and not just cater towards uh, oppression movies getting nominated so right. i i think it's interesting here this movie, that this the movie broke people. the gate for that a lot in a lot of ways because uh before this i mean really the only movies that you saw get black movies that you saw get nominated for best picture were either like sydney portier um and that's it. Like, um, really, if, if Sidney Poitier was in it, it was you know he, he would have a good chance of getting uh, some Academy Award looks. But really, outside of that, there weren't really any black movies that were sure. getting uh, getting the attention that they deserved. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad. To, and even with Sidney Poitier movies, it was either like Guess Who's Coming Home for Dinner about oh a black man coming home to a white family, or uh, or uh, the other one in the Heat of the Night, which is a legitimately great film on its own, but it's more about like a police procedural under the guise. Of, of racial oppression in the South as well in Mississippi. But um, with, with The Color Purple, it really opened up the, 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 the floodgates for allowing African-American women to have the spotlight too. And that's um, different. Yeah, it's different. Exactly. And and the fact that Spielberg took the risk and, and, and he, he honestly, he'd probably be the only one who was able to get that mov- a movie like that made. I that's mean, a good point. Uh, being frank, I mean... Using your power for good, using your enormous name to to get into a film from a different diverse perspective right 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 so yeah again and it not and not beating us over the head with it and making it an underlying current but still having a main objective to the story with these characters um that's what's most important here so, awesome yeah. um let's move on to empire of the sun which is the next film of his that is mm-hmm. also kind of historical and dramatic and all that early christian um, bell christian bale man yeah. christian Christian Bale, I'm telling you right now, is going to go down as one of the greatest actors of all time. Mm-hmm. That guy is incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, he's he can transform himself. He's he's one of those actors. Like, have you seen pictures of him um, playing um, the the freaking George Bush movie? That's yeah, coming out? yeah. He's playing uh, what's his name? Um, the vice um, uh, um, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Yeah, dude, he looks like a monster <laughs> like the guy see which like a lot of people might overestimate the transformation of him but i feel like that it's incredible what he can do and seeing that talent as a child and mm-hmm. seeing how it can start as a child how a child can give that kind of a performance that he gives in this movie empire of the sun mm-hmm. is incredible 
yeah. is incredible and it's heartbreaking. He breaks your heart in this movie. Oh, like really? little yeah. Christian Bale is like, dude, he's he gives some moments in this movie where you're like, damn, like a child shouldn't experience this type of horror and this type of, you know, harsh reality and this type of growing up. Um, like Steven Spielberg said in an interview, it's like it's about a kid growing up in a very harsh world when he shouldn't be, when he should be a child, when he should just be enjoying life, when he should be um, experiencing childhood at the highest level. And I, I talked to you before, forget about what, I think we were talking about Ryan Johnson a while back, but about the, 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 the because we were talking about Looper and we were talking about mm -hmm. the Rainmaker and how important it is for a child to have a childhood and how important it is for a child to have a balanced, joyful childhood because mm -hmm. it, it, it's a, he's able to receive that kind of, mental stability and go into the real world and go into life as a mentally stable person who experienced a good childhood versus uh, people who have had rough childhoods is usually experience you know mental health problems and mental health issues because they're not ready for that harsh reality at such a young age mm -hmm. and it's crazy because he breaks your heart in this movie man and, and this is another i feel great steven spielberg film that really oh, yeah. gives a lot of emotion and iconic shots and incredible moments and difficult moments that really stick with you yeah i mean that whole moment at the beginning where he actually like loses his parents during this pl takes place in uh shanghai um at the beginning of world war ii if i'm not mistaken mm. um when the japanese were invading china um so it, you know it it opens the film with this with this really heartbreaking sequence where uh christian bell's like losing his parents and he's like losing them in the crowd and they're just getting shuffled away and, and put away and he just has to live on his own like in this empire um like trying to figure out like how to how to navigate through this world um and you know even though this is you know not science fiction it still has that level of awe right like the, you as Christian Bell's character being the POV for this film, you're really getting the sense of like an unexplored territory, right? And whereas, you know, we mentioned in last week's episode with, um, you know, Temple of Doom not really being the most, uh, uh, you know, progressive movie, right? When it comes to representing a Asian culture, this movie actually highlights a lot of those uh, aspects really well and, and gives gives attention to the cultural um, foundation that, a lot of a lot of the setting is set in, so uh, I think this movie is powerful in the ways that it's opening the eyes to a lot of people who who didn't know these experiences were happening, uh, where who who aren't familiar with the internment camps that are happening in in uh, in China and and in Japan, even in the United States itself. I mean, U.S. was literally locking up Japanese people like off the streets. During the 1940s, like that is crazy, you know. Um, so I, so a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of that internal American conflict, kind of externalizing itself in this movie, kind of gives it a place. It's, it's kind of flipping the situation, right? What if, you know, not if you're not if the not if a Japanese family is trapped in the United States. What if an American kid is trapped, not Japanese, of course, but in China? Um, and it, 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 I think it's just fascinating the way it approaches that. Yeah, um, it, it obviously has. Um different iconic shots incredible shots mm -hmm. the visuals in this movie are spectacular yeah. like spectacular yeah like re-watching it you still holds up today as being one of the most incredible shots that i've seen in movies um one thing i do want to say is that it, you're right man it really deals with different things that kind of go unnoticed during that era uh -huh. it's incredible because a buddy of mine had a really long conversation about um japan and in, in the 1940s japan mm. and and how dude they were on some shit 
Like yeah. they were like the North Korea of that time, and they 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 had the resources that current North Korea doesn't have. Yeah. As far as like them being all crazy and all like we're gonna blow shit up, they had the they had the power to do it, and they did it. Yeah. Like they were just blowing shit up, and they were just taking over. Like they, they did some shit in China. Mm-hmm. I know that. And there's a lot of movies that deal with that. Another movie that deals with that is obviously Ip Man. Um, go watch Ip Man. It's an incredible movie mm-hmm. starring Donnie Yen. But it's crazy because it's crazy seeing obviously Japan now, current Japan being so you know pacifist and stuff, mm-hmm. and and obviously experiencing issues with North Korea as well, um, current issues because they're you know literally experiencing threats from North Korea. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy how that how time is such an indicator of of dif- different types of atrocities that go unnoticed in different parts of the world that we might not know because it doesn't get the attention that other atrocities get. You know, not measuring necessarily, right. but bringing the perspective and the story i think stories are so important and that's what movies are essentially is their stories mm-hmm. and bringing the stories and bringing those perspectives to the light so that a large group of audience can be aware awareness um is so important and that's what movies can do and that's what these type of movies do do mm-hmm. um anything else on empire of the sun no i mean this is a fantastic movie I, this goes probably as one of the most underwatched Spielberg movies, I think, and we, you know, we're trying to avoid spoilers for some of these early ones mm-hmm. because we really want to make sure, you know, if, if you people, if you fellow listeners or viewers haven't checked these films out, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, a few of the others that we're going to talk about, please check those out because they're fantastic films and they're historically important for a lot of reasons. And Spielberg being at the center of that is really important. Yeah, really, uh, interesting. Um, the next movie he did was a movie called Always, which is obviously. RB three nice favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be honest, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen this one. Oh, uh, was this? Uh... Okay, so it's more of a fiction movie. Um, full disclosure: we haven't seen Always. This might be a fantastic <laughs> movie. It might be an amazing movie. But it's on our list in order of Spielberg movies because yeah. we're going obviously in order of release. And Always didn't reach our other list, so it is now reaching this list. And with Always, we will say we will always watch Always. <laughs> always. Watch Always. Um, it's more of like a fictional tale about an airplane and a deceased like person or, and a ghost. Yeah. Um, so it obviously, sounds like a Spielberg movie. <laughs> it's not the kind of Spielberg movie we're talking about on this podcast, yeah, however. Yeah. So we're going to move on to his next um, movie on our list, which is... I'm a stab. Okay, okay. This is a movie that is, uh, again, another one to do about slavery. Matthew McConaughey's in it. Um, Damien Hanju is in it. A really great cast. It's really about the persecution of the the slave trade that was happening back in the 19th century, sorry, or 18th century. Um, Not sure exactly when it's said. Morgan Freeman is in this. Um, It's it's an incredible cast. It's it's, it's essentially um, the courtroom fight and the battle for... um, for like the slavery prosecution like process that was happening um back during that time came out 1997 1997 1997 okay so this is before this is uh same year as uh, Jurassic Park 2 same year as Jurassic Park 2 mm. another year where he flips where he does both uh, <laughs> this movie has some pretty hardcore like emotional stuff too oh definitely, definitely. it has some scenes that are still like you know hard to watch and well, incredible performances but still hard to watch like the scene when they're like throwing water and like yeah like yeah those guys are like basically naked and it's like well that's shit, those are the conditions hardcore dude those are the conditions of a lot of slave trade boats like mm-hmm. pack 
pack as many Africans in as possible into these like tiny spaces um, to save as much resources as possible. You know, there's horrible conditions, um, terrible. You know, people said it smelled like like they're in hell, like down there. Just Whoa, oh yeah, man, yeah. oh man, it must smell like death down there. Yeah, literally, people were dying on these boats. Yeah. Like you know, literally. nothing to eat, none, nowhere to sleep. Like all literally stacked up on each other. So it's like you know, and 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 this movie kind of portrays that and and kind of a really sensitive way. Um, I, you know, I think this is probably the, if, you know, I kind of said before that Empire of the Sun is probably the most underwatched. This one's really underwatched too, because a lot of times we mentioned this movie in conversations with people, um, they're not really going out and, and, and looking for this, but, um, I think this came out during a time where Spielberg was very interested in exploring the idea of, of the past coming back to haunt us, right? Um, this is, this must've came out after Schindler's List. Schindler's List came out in 93 or... Um, oh, um, I, did, did we skip Schindler's List? We might have skipped Schindler's List. Oh, we totally skipped Schindler's List. Yeah, it's we'll, okay. We'll go we'll back. Co- we'll come back to Schindler's we'll List. Yeah. But, but, Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We're good. We're good. Freestyling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but Amistad, yeah. Another one we're continuing. The, so the following idea. Schindler's List is very relevant to this conversation. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's In the, the sense of, of like yeah. oppression. And, oppression, and, yeah, and, exactly. And, and systematic and, elimination. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, kind of carrying off the back of The Color Purple, what they're doing thematically uh, with the idea of... of their past coming to haunt them. This is the idea of the of the past being the present, and how um, these these prosecutions against humanity has essentially put a lot of these people in very compromising positions. And I don't know. It's it's, it's a very deep film. Again, I recommend checking it out. I don't want to give away too many plot details. Again, of course, um, but uh, I'd say that you it's probably one you'd only really want to watch once because uh, it's so heart wrenching and, and so. Um, deep and 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 in thought in what is doing, uh, but yeah. I, I might be wrong in this, but I feel like this might have given birth. Uh, he might have been known for other stuff before this, but it might have given birth to a guy who I think is very underrated and who kind of is he hasn't done anything great in a while. But um, I forget, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but his name is uh, Dish, Digimon, Digimon, yeah, Digimon Hanzu, Digimon Hanzu. Um, uh, yeah. That guy's incredible. Yeah, that guy's freaking incredible. Yeah, he's so good, and he's so good in freaking Gladiator. He's in Gladiator, Gladiator in a supporting yeah, role, yeah. and he's badass in Gladiator, and he literally. Kills it in Gladiator. Like he yeah. kills me every time I see that movie. But he's a great actor, man, and mm-hmm. he's he's someone who, who is uh he's what what is he again? He's not uh he's um, where's he from? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I th- he's a uh, freaking uh he's African something. Yeah, I don't know. But he's he's phenomenal. He's yeah. a phenomenal actor, and he's a, he's Steven Spielberg gave him a lot to do in this movie. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think uh, again, you know when. Particularly talking about movies that deal with race and deal with the complications associated with race, this one kind of does like a mini exploration within. You know what I mean? Uh, there are so many great scenes in this movie, but I think some of the most powerful material is coming in, in, in those and those testimonies and those confessions, and where where you see the whole courtroom just there. I don't know. Again, check this movie out. This is a this is a film that I, I highly recommend as well um, because. Like we're like we're we're mentioning before and and again and again, the idea of of, of systematic um, religion coming to the the eyes of of the people, the individuals, the characters. Um, that's something that that's prosecuted 
these these people um, to to living the lifestyles that they're living and how hate can really um, fluster into. And again, there's another movie we talked about in last week's show. Not really a central bad guy. It's more of the idea of the bad guy. You know what I mean? The idea of racism. The idea of um, misappropriation and mistreatment and all this slavery. Stuff. So slavery. Exactly. I mean, it, it, dude, it really is like it's one of those historical references because obviously this is a historical episode on Stephen Spielberg, but it's one of those things where uh, one critic said it best: Steven Spielberg is able to give you the history that you can't see, that mm. you can't experience, that you can't feel in the books. Mm-hmm. In the books, you can read about it, you can see, you can you know think like how awful this much must be. But seeing it on film and seeing it in experience, it really puts the historical perspective to light. Mm. And it really gives you that like visceral, emotional journey of how humanity went so low. The deprivation of humanity went so low to the points of the pits of hell mm. to bring something like slavery to the light. And, and to, to commit something like slavery right. is an absolutely important part of history and 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 movies like this are able to tell you about that reference in a very powerful way by showing you right and 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 making you experience it and and it's important because obviously you know everyone should know about it and everyone does know about it but it's important because it is like you said something that went through like dude even after like freaking lincoln and you went after all this stuff and went through hundreds of years of systematic oppression in different ways people found different ways to to oppress black people right it, it, all right. the way i mean dude leading up to the 60s and the help and all this stuff right. and it's crazy and it's yeah. very important and i feel like spielberg was able to bring that out in this film yeah. um let's go back to schindler's list yeah obviously before i'm a start uh sorry about missing that guys uh came out 1983 yeah. which funny enough is the same year as jurassic park, jurassic park. um and obviously this is the one of the most incredibly I honestly think like it's one of the most it's going to go down in history as is one of the most powerful films ever made. Like it's mm-hmm. that it's that crazy. Like it's right. that emotionally moving, it's that emotionally powerful. Mm-hmm. It's that incredibly artistic. It's that incredibly like I said before, historical perspective coming to life and showing you this era which wasn't that long ago how depraved and how awful humanity can be in this you know area of the world yeah, which the, is obviously the harsh realities of the holocaust the holocaust yeah. and, and 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 the nazis and, and 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 people the systematic killing and the systematic elimination of a group of people mm-hmm. like that's just incredibly you know disgusting right so schindler's list is able to dive into those things and give you you know a different perspective and give you a story that took place that that um that is absolutely incredible and a lot of people should listen to. Um, it's based on a book, I believe, um, and by, by um, I forget the author, but uh, it stars Liam Neeson, who is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, Oscar Schindler. Mm-hmm. Is, you know. That's Oscar Schindler. And, and he actually got uh, an Oscar nomination for this movie, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think he won, but I think he got a nomination. Obviously, this movie got a ton of nominations. Yeah. But um, it's it, it, let's start there, because let's start with Liam Neeson's character, obviously, and Liam Neeson's performance. Oscar Schindler is a very you know powerful you know businessman and all that. But Liam Neeson brings so much depth and so much heart and so much character i don't know he he has such a big presence on screen obviously because he's a big guy but 
he's a very powerful actor and he's, he gives a lot into this performance and he's Steven is able to get that out of him and really it, it, there's an interesting point in that doc when when Steven Spielberg's uh, I'm sorry when Liam Neeson says that he felt like a puppet at one point mm -hmm. because Steven was directing every hand movement and every twitch and even the way he smoked and he felt like man dude you don't even know I'm, I'm trying to smoke how to smoke and you're telling me to smoke a different way and it's like he felt like a puppet and and he was told that you know let Steven do what he do Steven is a, is a true artist that he's able to take every minute motion and every minute gesture and make that a very specific thing in, in a, it's like a stroke of the brush in a, in a, in a painting. Mm -hmm. And that's what Steven is able to do. And that's what he did with Liam Neeson's character. So much so that he got a nomination off of it. But what do you think yeah. of his performance in this movie? And, and the fact that it's basically his POV, but he's able to bring so much heart in him and so much change. Right. I mean, I think this this movie definitely, I mean, it's about Oscar Schindler, right? It's the idea of him, him being conflicted because... Obviously, he he works for the the government. He works for the the um, the Nazis, and he he's forced to give this this uh, this list uh, of people who to prosecute, who not to prosecute, right? So it's like it, it's dealing in the fact that once we once we meet his character, he's he's already conflicted by the the ideologically the ideology of the Nazis, and it, it really is one man's strive to try and fight. What is happening uh, in the system of Germany, nineteen nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, right? Germany, and how he he's just trying to save his people. He's just trying to hold on to who he who he has. Um, but at the end of the day, he can only save so many, right? And he, and he comes to this revelation when you know the movie is obviously shot shot and starking black and white, which so. is uh, we've talked about black and white before with the Alexander yeah. Payne episode. But black and white has a very bold choice. Every time you do a movie that's black and white, it's like, you better do something good. <laughs> right, right, right. Because that's hard to do, man. Yeah, and, and, and he comes across, it comes across really strongly because it's a, it's a black and white situation, frankly, right? It's, it's good, like this is, uh, it's, it's, it's almost as straightforward as it goes. Nazi's good. I mean, Nazi's bad. Not Nazi's good. No. Nazi's bad. Uh, you know, uh, Oscar Schindler, one of the good guys, right? Like not, trying to stand up against against the system and, and trying to not lose his humanity. Right, right, right. Exactly. Trying to not lose exactly. himself. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you? Would, would you rather give up your your, your hum, What do? You, what, what's the point that you're able to to not be a human anymore? Mm -hmm. And that's what the Nazis were able to do. They were a, they reached a point where they were able to be inhuman, mm -hmm. to be not human, to be something that clearly they let go. Mm -hmm. Of ever being a human person with what they were doing, was Oscar willing to go that far and be, not be human? And he's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I yeah. gotta, I gotta help, dude. I can't do this. Yeah, I can't just turn a blind eye. Right, and 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 it's all highlighted in that beautiful moment, of course, with the girl in the red, uh, you know, and red, red, red coat. Um, the red when everything else is in black and white, right. which is obviously very powerful, right. you know, visually. Mm -hmm. Just visually, it's absolutely that scene is incredible. Right, right, and it, and it really gives you the 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 understanding of what what's at stake here, you know. And she, you know, with red being such a bold color that represents blood, death, you know, um, tragedy, evil. Um, but putting that little girl in the ass, like this is what she's experiencing. This is what she is seeing. And then Oscar Schindler seeing that kind of being the big pivotal turning point. Um, 
if I'm being honest, man, I haven't watched this movie in a, in, in a little bit only because it's so emotionally draining. So what is it, three hours and 11 minutes long? It's a long so movie. So it, it's a lot to get through. But, I mean, frankly, the, the themes of this movie, you know, we talked about Amistad already, but it carries through through a lot of the legacy that Steven Spielberg is, is trying to portray, at least in his historical movies, right? He's, he's trying to tell the audience, like, this, is, this was a major issue. This was something that he was affected by personally. His grandparents were Holocaust survivors. So, you know, for, for, for him... This was not just a story about. Uh, this was not just a story about the individual. It's a story about the tragedy in, in general. So a story about the people, and this was people. also about his people and what mm-hmm. he experienced, and what his family experienced, and the the burden that's carried with the Jewish people experiencing such a horrible atrocity, which is the Holocaust. Right, and it's also it it, it also deals with um the human level and in in human expression and and the idea of love and the idea of mercy and the idea of compassion and mm-hmm. how compassion is so can be the most powerful thing and mm-hmm. how many people might see compassion as weakness especially during a time of war and yet compassion can save a generation of people mm-hmm. right because that's he saved a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people that are not dead. Um, yeah. And also, speaking of that little girl in the red coat, seeing her body dumped with the rest of the bodies mm-hmm. as they're being burned, mm-hmm. dude, that's that's a striking image. Mm-hmm. Like, that right there in itself is able to just destroy anyone watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Is seeing, you know, the Nazis carrying her in a wheelbarrow, and you see the red coat, knowing that it was that girl. So you have a very visual, you have a very strong visual cue, cue knowing it was her, mm-hmm. and seeing her dumped with the rest of the bodies, with everyone else. As if it's like, it doesn't, the the Nazis didn't care how old you were. They didn't care if you were a two-year-old or three-year-old. They were still going to kill you just like they killed your whole family. They really Mm -hmm. were were on a mission, a very disturbed mission. And it's crazy because this movie obviously ends with the the final shot of of everyone coming to the graves Mm. and of Oscar Schindler. And it's showing you actual people who were, affected by this specific moment in history to mm-hmm. show you the historical relevance of what went down is within itself <laughs> going to win you a lot of yeah. awards <laughs> yeah. but it's also going to stick with you as a very powerful film and as a film that can be regarded as a not just in the history of history but in the history of movies right. as is one of the most striking powerful movies of all time and i think it i think it really gets the idea of how you know, at, at the end of the day, these big tragedies and, and, and mass genocides really only come to the hands of the people, of a couple people who either help the situation or, 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 or don't help or are actually causing the situation. Really just men in a business room, like smoking cigarettes and talking to each other. And that's how these massive uh, things go down. And it's so sad and it's so sickening when you're actually watching this in this movie. And you, you come to understanding, and, and it really is. I mean, there's that quote by by Stanley Kubrick where he's like, "Kill one, kill one is a tragedy. Kill a million is a statistic." You know what I mean? So it's like, ah, it, that really is what it comes down to, with, especially with, um, you know, especially with the Nazis and the Holocaust. And um, again, the, the fact that Spielberg was able. I mean, he had a really tough time making this movie because he just connected. I mean, this is his family. This is his legacy. This is his history that's on the line here. And um, but the fact that he was able to car- to to carry that with so much grace and respect, and you know he's being so specific. You know, again, that's why he was being so specific with actors like Liam Neeson or Ray Fiennes or or whatever, because he really wants to evoke the emotional response that they're trying to go for here. So, um, and of course, to pay it off, the movie won best picture, best director, first best director win for Spielberg after like four nominations or three, three or four nominations. Um, 
but yeah, this is the first win of his uh, out of that, and uh, and, and again, it, it just it just goes to show how how impactful this movie was in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ralph Fiennes as well for playing an evil Nazi guy. Yeah. Um, still a great actor. I, I consider yeah. him to be a great <laughs> actor as well. Um, yeah. yeah, Schindler's List, man, is it's definitely one of those movies it's a tough that. One. That it's a tough one, and it's 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 influenced a lot of his other films as right. well, um, which we're going to jump to right now, which which is um, another powerful movie that a lot of people regard as one of the most powerful movies, and that's mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, which showed you the uh, one of the first movies. Well, I mean, it's debatable. There's a lot of war movies that show you this, but one of the most um, visceral, gritty. Uh, 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 as if puts you right there kind of movie with the atrocities of war and the mm-hmm. atrocities that, that can go into war and how war can seem so, so how can I say, quick and simple. Mm-hmm. Shoot the bad guy. Shoot him before he shoots you. Yeah. But it's so much more than that. It's all about instinct. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it can, he did a moment. And, and it's one of those things too where it's far as like you, you, you hear about a moment – and, and you hear about a, a day or you hear about stories of wars or battles. And, and, and like you said, it's like, it's like a, a statistic. It's like a history book. It's like mm-hmm. something you just like you find out. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize like, no, 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 no. Like lots of people died yeah. in very harsh ways and very disturbing ways. And dying in any kind of way um, is, is awful. But dying in this way specifically and, and in this moment specifically is incredible. Especially knowing that half those soldiers were kids Mm -hmm. they were like 20 years old man they were like your age Mm -hmm. and they were getting like their guts ripped out it's Mm -hmm. crazy it's absolutely it's one of those movies that shows you that in a very realistic way and it's obviously a testament to steven spielberg's ability to take different types of filmmaking uh into account Mm -hmm. and to really put that into each and every one of his his movies but put that into specifically this movie and it's the sound design in this Mm -hmm. movie Showing you the bullets, showing you the piercing of the bullets, whether it be piercing in the water, piercing in the skin, or, or, or hitting and ricocheting off stuff and coming past you. And it just, dude, feeling that must be insane. Like, yeah. it's insane of that. What, what do you feel about this movie, obviously, on a... This is another one of Spielberg's attempts to really put you into history. Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the bigger bigger movies that he's done. Um, the the whole opening ten minutes of on uh, as they're as they're raiding the beach or trying to trying to overcome the beach is like it's powerful filmmaking, and that could be his own like sh- short film in itself, right? I mean the way the way that movie opens, and you know, is of course it's another it's his first collaboration with Tom Hanks. So Tom Hanks is in this, and you get you get a, a real sense of the. Um, camaraderie between the crew that he ultimately bands together to save Private Ryan, and um, but you're right, it's about the visceralism of war, right? And it, it's so visceral the way they the way he directs his movie, you know, of dropping the frame count when when you know he's shaken or or the sound design like you mentioned, the way the camera moves, the way the camera functions, the way how sometimes it will actually cut to Tom Hanks's POV as he's uh, running up the beach and like it's a very subtle thing it's hard to notice but he, it will actually cut to his pov um so it, 
those moments like that are, are what really makes it you you put into the heart of this character and as an extension you know this guy puts his heart into his team to his, his people um weirdly enough including vin diesel <laughs> but he, he he's great in this movie man he is great yeah this was the first wasn't this like vin diesel's like first major yeah it yeah, was yeah shout out to vin diesel yeah, yeah. so still it's, making that money yeah vin diesel yeah the fast and furious man, man making fast, yeah. so much money in that movie big, big money big money um but i just love i just love seeing them in this and the same with everybody Paul Giamatti um the slimy guy from Avatar uh, I can't remember his name Giovanni uh, I don't know I can't remember his name um but a lot of a lot of great actors in this movie you know to, to, to say the least and of course do do we want to spoil this one I mean this one's more culturally like out there a lot so. of people have seen it if you yeah. want, if you feel like it adds to the conversation i'm okay with it well it's just the fact i mean you know it's, it's the fact that they're all banding together to find private ryan right who is the last person in his family to uh you know last all of his brothers had died they're trying to get one 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 back to to, to the family you know what i mean so you know and in the end we realize that is is matt damon Right, so when Matt, Dan- you know, they, they spend the whole movie trying to find him, and he's like, "I don't want to go anywhere." What are, you, are you kidding me? Like, and and they basically have to drag him back and and take him back, take him back home. And as a result, we end up losing a lot of the cast and the crew that we have become f- the, the cast and the team that we have become familiar with um, along the way, including um, you know our central character. So it's really the story of um, sacrificing lives and multiple lives just for the. Just for the sake of one, you know what I mean, and and that's ultimately what what the heroism of war is: being able to sacrifice yourself for somebody else. And I think that's what is really important and really uh, groundbreaking about this movie is that it's able to capture that feel. And you know, there's that there's stories of people who who watched this uh, Vietnam of war. I'm sorry, not Vietnam World War II veterans watching this movie and having like literally PTSD episodes in the theater. I heard about that too. Because yeah, because it's just so visceral and powerful and so relatable to 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 the struggle these guys are having. So. Um, again, I think this is this is uh, a masterpiece. In, it is in Spielberg's. It's a masterpiece in filmmaking. Yeah, um, it's another one of those movies too that he felt like he needed to um, have an ending that is like a dedication and like an honor of of uh, the veterans of World War Two. And it's it's also another personal film with this too because he he um, heard stories from his dad who who had some you know encounters in war and stuff right. during that time right. in World War Two. And it's crazy because it was a, it was a period of time that as a kid growing up, like we talked about in the last week's episode, that he knows so much about mm-hmm. because he heard so many stories about it, and he was obviously fascinated with it because it's it's as a kid you you grow up with these incredible you know stories of heroic moments of that people are going through. Mm-hmm. So so it's absolutely on a personal level for Stephen another you know personally. Uh, you know, mo- another personal movie that he feels like he can put a stamp on it, right. and a dedication for the veterans that went through that horrific thing. I mean, obviously, shout out to all the veterans who right. go through war and the atrocities of war. I think that's what it is too, because when you learn as a kid, you as a kid growing up, obviously, I grew up in Texas and stuff, and growing mm-hmm. up in that, you you see the uh, immediate reverence towards veterans, and you. As a kid, you're just kind of like, oh, cool, and mm-hmm. you just do what your parents tell you. But when it is when you, it is one of these. These are the kind of movies that kind of show you 
why we give so much to veterans in the mm-hmm. sense of like Veterans Day and all this and remember and all this stuff and honor and mm-hmm. it, it's because of like dude if you can go through this shit like bro <laughs> like yeah. you deserve any all the awards <laughs> you deserve all the attention and all the freaking praise and honor that that uh, veterans get and should get yeah. because of this kind of stuff it really is like mm-hmm. it, it's the it's the concept of giving your life to war mm-hmm. where when you go to war you're kind of signing your death sentence right. and you're kind of signing your life away not just on a obviously on a very much like physical level as far as literally dying but also on a, an emotional level on a mental level on a, on a every single aspect of your life you're you're breaking it down to the point of what it takes to get someone to physically take someone else's life mm-hmm. for his country and that's just crazy that's right. just crazy and it's one of those movies that deals with that so well because they're able to show you like this is what they go through and you're like well damn um another movie that did that um last year was hacksaw ridge showing you the freaking craziness of mm-hmm. of that time period with a different type of war obviously um different area of war specifically yeah um but it's it's one of those things where it's like well damn like if y'all did this shit then you know my honor to you and it should be yeah it's crazy now a lot of the criticism for this movie comes in the fact that it opens with the pan in on the eyes making you think that's tom hanks and in the end you realize it's matt damon's character do you feel a certain type of way about that i don't know no i think that's fine i don't know why that would get criticized i mean i get what it would get criticism but for me no i think that that works i think that's such that's a very purposeful thing that steven put in there and i think i think it works i think it does uh any last word on saving private ryan um, no, I mean, that's, I mean, this is one of my favorite Spielberg movies in terms of that particular criticism. I mean, I get it, um, in terms of the language of film, that way, the way we, way we interpret film and relationship between cuts, of course, you're going to make that interpretation, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think that's like a detractor from the movie if, if for, for any extent, but I think there's so many great sequences in here, uh, like the sniper scene. Uh, that they have with uh, with oh uh, yeah. yeah that was that was deep. I forget the actor's name but yeah 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 um but again so a lot of great moments in this movie I think is just fantastic absolutely mm-hmm. um, let's move on to Catch Me If You Can which is the next movie of his that's another you know period piece another Hanks movie Tom Hanks movie. Tom Hanks um yeah this one's obviously a different tone than uh, the other Schindler's <laughs> <laughs> List. But this is another movie that a lot of people freaking love this movie, man. Yeah. And I want to ask you, what do you feel on the themes of this movie specifically? And also just on a Steven Spielberg level. Well, first off, this is probably, in talking Spielberg's overall filmography, probably like top five material for me, right? On the fact that, you know, it manages a level of uh, satirism while also a level of cynicism, but still being the optimistic, bright-eyed Steven Spielberg movie that we've come to expect, right? So it has Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, uh, so many great performances in this movie, man. And I think... Tom Hanks kills it specifically, but uh, obviously Leo does too. But Tom Hanks in this movie, man, he brings so much like... This is, I mean, to me, this is like... This is Tom Hanks Tom being Tom Hanks as far as like... Every every time people talk about him as being one of the great actors, this is an example of it. Right, this right. This is crazy how good he is in this little little moments that he gives you that are so good, mm-hmm. so good. But keep right. going. No, no. I I mean I just think you know in terms of the way the characters are handled. I mean you you really do get 
um, it centers around Frank Abagnale, based on the true story of a dude who you know was who basically became like a pilot, uh, a doctor, and uh, what else, like a banker, or whatever. Yeah. Basically, just all within the span of like being a kid, right? And being super like smart. So he he ripped off millions and millions of dollars off of people uh, by forging checks, and you know it, it really. Sh- uh, I think this movie really highlights how like flawed the banking system was and currently is that allows somebody to be so easily like easily manipulate the system and 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 get all his money through just cashing fake checks and uh he was able to to copy that and then he he eventually works for an airline so he could uh start making the rounds and traveling across the country and and and, and become a pilot just to look cool i think that's what's also was cool about this movie too is a very snarky look at like 1960s culture like how people were just obsessed over like the Pan Am pilots and how like he was inspired by like James Bond to buy like the little car and the tuxedo. Like all, all these like great like sixties references of just the, the the mind state that people were in during that time was just really fun. And it reminds me of uh, uh ooh, I'm not sure exactly where Shape of Water took time, but remember the the scene in Shape of Water yeah. like buying the Cadillac. Yeah, and, yeah. And being yeah. teal and it and part, that's part of the culture back mm-hmm, then was mm-hmm. like looking cool. Right. It right. was part of the culture for sure. Yeah, this this movie it, it shows the ability of of one guy to able to con so many people and what it takes when your life is is one continuous lie on top of a lie on top of another lie on top of another lie mm-hmm. and where that kind of spirals down to yeah um it's absolutely crazy you know the amount of stuff like you just said before what what he was able to accomplish but yeah man i mean this movie this movie what do you feel like thematically it deals with the most as far as themes running through it? Do you feel like it's the the identity thing that uh, Leo's going through? His identity, yeah, like misplaced identity, uh, where does identity lie? And again, this is, you know, another one we talked about in last week with the Spielberg father-son relationship, right? Mm. Uh, you know, especially with Christopher Walken. Uh, I think this was probably the most reflective of Spielberg's actually interaction because you know and 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 spielberg's real life he had uh his mother his mother and father were married and then they got divorced and he always fell on the side of his dad and had a or i'm sorry in the in in real life he had a resentment against his father um for divorcing his mother but not knowing that the mother was actually the one who set up the divorce and this movie is kind of the flip flip the opposite way like he's always on his father's side because he's hoping that his father could win his mother back but at the end of the day he re- you know at the end of the day he realizes oh his dad's really a shitty shitty husband so that's why um that's why she she left him but it's just it's so many deep so much deep and that transcends into the the external world right because internally leo's character frank he's dealing with the trauma of of not knowing where to place blame for his parents' divorce, um, but he he externalizes that conflict by just change, like you said, changing identities, changing locations, showing off of money, and that's also a thing. Like his dad was very slick with money, very cool with the way he handled his financial problems. So Frank's solution to to, to managing that was like literally robbing robbing uh, banks, um, and I think thematically, I mean, this movie. Uh, it kind of speaks, you know, I, I mentioned the, the flawed banking system, but it, it kind of speaks highly to the fact that, uh, you know, these banks got so much money, man. Like, if is it really wrong to be stealing from these people if you're just making a living on your own like that? Um, and, of course, it's against the law, and that's what Tom Hanks' character. But even, even there's that whole conversation of, like, is this real? like, 
he's forging checks, you know, and, and, and I don't know. It's interesting the way they approach that and, and, and the way that uh, they're able to give the circumstantial um, ideological like standpoint of Frank where printing checks is he's just print, he's 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 printing checks to to make his own living but he's also just a young kid he's lost like and he really wants to make connect to that's why he's connecting to the Tom Hanks even though he's the person that's investigating him so and it's also like the 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 level of a crime and what what time and punishment means and mm-hmm. what all that kind of stuff means as far right. as like, white, white white crawler crime versus like you know, um, blue collar crime. It's also the, the the idea of placement of skills, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like one smart kid can do. If you can do that much on your own against the law, how much can you do for the law? Yeah, working for like yeah. placement of skill. Like, where do you place a certain level of of people's skills and people's intellect? If you if you if you can somehow change the course of it and and move it in a different direction. And, and, and kind of like use your skills for a good type of thing is it also deals with that obviously with obviously towards the end of the movie too um, it's interesting it's interesting as far as like what you can do when you have the ability to do so much and when you can do so much you have a responsibility to not just fend for yourself but fend for others is it, it, I don't know I, I don't know if that you feel that as well yeah it's like it, a Robin Hood kind of like yeah mentality is coming coming through and um you know of course amy adams is in this movie as well um she plays like um frank's girlfriend and there, there, there's some interesting stuff he, he also becomes a lawyer which is like just shows you how a fucking like a 20 year old kid could just read a couple books and study to become a lawyer in like three months right so it's just it's just funny how again all of these elements are just stacking stacking on top of each other of how like you said, he has the skill, he has the intelligence. What happens when he takes that out and, and starts using that, um, you know, for and working for for the people that are hunting him down, the FBI? Um, because obviously they can figure out who he was. Uh, it took like a really sharp investigator trying to piece that together. Um, but without without Tom Hanks, nobody would have known he was ripping off checks. So it's interesting how that. How yeah, it's also out. kind of like a cool little. I mean, obviously not as deep, but it's still like a cool little look into that era of the FBI, right? Yeah. Because the FBI back then was like, you know, just kind of kind of starting out, yeah. um, and it, it really was obsessed with, just like they say, you know, federal bureau of investigation, because mm-hmm. it's all about investigating. It's mm-hmm. all about that kind of stuff. So right, it's a very right. interesting movie. It did get a lot of Academy Award nominations, right? I think I, it I did. I think it did. Um, this came out the same year as Minority Report. I know that. Um, and I mean, the fact that it's based on a real life story is what's most incredible about this, right? Uh, the fact that all of this really happened and it, and it opens and again, kind of riffing off the, the seventies or the sixties culture opens with like that game show, right? Like, uh, and the whole game show the point of that is the question of identity and of the compatibility. So it's yeah. fascinating in that way. Absolutely. Um, let's up, jump over to Munich. Uh, well, the Terminal, we'll skip over. Oh, we did? Over. Yeah. Damn it, man. I always skip movies. We can skip the Terminal. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, we can't. It's, it's not the greatest movie. <laughs> Spielberg is made. This is one with Tom Hanks. He plays like a, I don't know if it's Russian or I don't know. Do they even really say the country? Um, they do. From? I forget, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I totally forget. Yeah, this movie. I'm curious. Why don't you like it? I mean, it's just silly. I mean, it's silly. The 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 whole point of the movie is this guy is stuck in an airport because his 
foreign visas, got like trippy or whatever. But it's still like a little. I mean, it's not the greatest think piece on immigration, but it's still like yeah, it's a thing. Exactly, it's a it's think piece on immigration, and but it's, it's a think piece on immigration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it and it touches on the ideas of of of, of post nine eleven, uh, like airport, you know, like act, not airport activities, but it, it's is it, you know it, it kind of touches on on why like the idea of the other being in the american airport and what is he doing there why is he like just hanging out there and they have that whole big interrogation scene near the end where right there the, yeah. The, yeah 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 so again like they're, they're trying to they, they just thinking this dude's like a, a wacko trying to like you know take it out but he he is a wacko but he's just weird you know what i mean like uh he's, he's a very weird weird cat but he's trying to get to uh, back to his country you can't get back. The the visas have been, you know. I, what are your thoughts on this movie, though? I think it's a, all right. I don't yeah. think it's as bad as you're you're saying. Either. It's not bad. I, I don't think but... it's the worst movie like RB three just said. No, no, it's not. It's not the worst. No, no, no. no. RB, I'm just destroying yeah, you, dude. I'm yeah. just messing with you, man. Um, no, I I think it's it's an interesting thing, right? Because we dealt this year with a very uh, not the same thing, obviously, but a very relevant thing as far as banning people from certain countries. Right, right, right. I mean, dude, the thought of that, like yeah. that. That blew my when that was taking place. I was kind of pissed, yeah. obviously. But but that to me is 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 that movie comes in. This movie comes into relevance with that, right? right I mean, I right. think so. I mean, Damn, yeah. think about I think about that. I make the think about but, that the Muslim yeah. ban, dude. The fact that you're yeah. you're 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 specifically identifying seven different countries to be kind of outlawed from coming into this country just because they're from that country. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the textbook definition of racism, if I've ever heard it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, telling you you can't come here only because you're from a certain area? Damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's relevant within itself. So uh, w- when it comes to that, that's very important in the movie too. Right. But but it's, it's interesting because all of Spielberg's movies, well, not all of them, but a lot of them deal with kind of like the American feel, right? We just mm-hmm. talked about Catch Me If You Can, which kind of deals with that too. But it, it deals with like the American feel, the American perspective, whether it be the sacrifice in Saving Private Ryan or the craziness of, of you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Catch Me If You Can, but kind of like what is America and what is its potential versus its potential to commit good, to commit evil, to extend a helping hand or to reject people from certain areas Mm -hmm. because that's powerful even within itself right right right. and what's the idea of the american dream the idea of the american lifestyle and and the idea of america being a different kind of country not just with its uh potential and opportunities but with its uh, ideology and its symbolism as far as what it represents for right. people in different parts of the world mm-hmm. because for people in different parts of the world it represents um an opportunity and it, it represents um an ideology and, and, and a symbol of, of of success dude as someone who spent a lot of time in mexico I, I obviously you know and a lot of people know i lived my life in border towns and i lived mm-hmm. my life across the border one way across the border, the other way in Texas for a long time and in Arizona too. But it's it's one of those things where it really is, it's it's stark, dude. It really is one of those things where Mexicans and other people, and they see it as like, damn, I just have to get there. Have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even when I spent time in Colombia, there was, it's funny when I tell people, and obviously in Spanish because I speak Spanish, but telling them i'm from america and kind of getting their their like their reaction being like oh 
like, really? That's crazy. And it's like, you know, obviously they're some, most of the kids I told when they were kids, but they were kids and they would kind of have an idea of kids, foreign kids having an idea of what America is. But right, for right. those reasons, I think, obviously those, the movie doesn't get that deep. Right, but, right. but for those reasons, I think the movie can be relevant and can be interesting in what it is saying. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it has some cool moments. I mean, that moment when he's coming through is kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know which moment I'm talking about, right? Yeah. When he actually gets through and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, but it's 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 not the biggest standout Spielberg film. Right. Zoe so, Saldana's so, so in this too, right? Uh, is she? I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she was funny in this, and um, I think the supporting cast was pretty funny. And I Stanley Tucci. Yeah, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I love like, Stanley like, Tucci, yeah, bro. Stanley yeah. Tucci's my homie. Yeah, yeah. Freaking uh, what's his freaking name? Caesar Flickerman. Oh yeah, you Caesar. Ha ha <laughs> Caesar Flickerman. I freaking love that guy. That's that's my that's my that's my that's my dream, bro. Uh-huh. I'm gonna be obviously I'm not gonna be evil like Caesar Flickerman because we t- it turns out he's evil, but one of these days I'm gonna be. The Caesar Flickerman of <laughs> of movie podcasting. Yeah, movie podcasting. There we go. Um, no, yeah. but I love Stanley Tucci. No, he's good in this. I I think. Uh, I mean, my, I don't know. I think essentially when I saw this movie, and I saw this like a mil- actually it's one of those movies that like my teacher just put on like when a sub was on. <laughs> was sub was substituting or whatever my history teacher. Uh, but it was. I I was. I think it's a fine movie. I just always get thrown off by the Tom Hanks accent. You know what I mean. That's a little. Don't get like, me started, dude. I was gonna <laughs> ask you, but you you jumped the gun. Yeah. Pearl Tom Hanks, you know, playing this character yeah. from this country, <laughs> accent or anti? What do you think? I mean, I don't. I, don't, I, I think don't it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy accent. Yeah, like, it is next level. Yeah, like crazy. And so. he probably nailed it, but for for our ears, it doesn't sound like he nailed yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because it, it almost sounds like it, this sounds a little crazy. I thought man. it was like an SNL sketch, like almost. You know? What yeah, I mean? like, I'm with you. I'm with you. 100 with you. So I don't know what country he's supposed to be representing, but. Uh, it, it's just crazy that, that that just always throws me out of the movie just a little bit. So oh, I forget. Is it? No, it's not Lebanon. Whatever. Um, let's jump over to Munich. Munich is one of those movies that it's it's a very another gritty movie, and it's another movie that actually took place because it happened in the Munich Olympics, and it's mm-hmm. a movie that deals with a very a very delicate topic, a very complex topic, and that's the topic of the Middle East mm-hmm. and, 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 and the, 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 the tensions and, and the craziness going on in the Middle East that's been going on for freaking forever, the right? The dwelling conflict that just keeps boiling and boiling. It's incredible. It's incredible for how, how, how far back this goes and mm-hmm. how this deals with, like just reading up on it and really studying up on it this year because I tried to as much as I can yeah, is right. absolutely fascinating. And hearing people's perspective from it on a personal level because there's a lot of Middle Eastern people in LA and there's a lot of Jewish people in LA and there's a lot of like different perspectives and different yeah I've met a lot of Palestinians this year Mm -hmm. um, which kind of gave me a different perspective and I met a lot of you know people from different areas so um, it's 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 crazy it's just crazy because you no matter what there's no side there really isn't a side yeah Um, but this is something that actually took place in the Munich Olympics um, I forget what year it is. Um, it could be the 80s or 70s. Yeah, um, 1986. Yeah, something like that. Um, but anyways, it, it actually took place. It starts Arab, Eric Bana. Is yeah, that Eric Bana. Yeah. Eric Bana, um, who obviously we all know from Troy, mm-hmm. um, greatest movie ever. Um, no, I'm just yeah, It's a good movie, though. The Incredible, or The Hulk, or oh. not just Hulk. Hulk, yeah. Angus Hulk. I still know him from Troy, uh, playing Hector. 
as everyone knows. But anyways, it starts <laughs> Eric Bana, and he's a great actor, man. Eric mm-hmm. Bana's underrated. He's dope. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this movie has a very interesting feel because it has that feel of like interlaced within um, historical, like, you know, this actually took place mm-hmm. kind of thing. That, that feeling of like the media covering it mm-hmm. in a very like... Um, powerful way because yeah. it's it's a time where where media had a heavy hand yeah i was gonna and, say and that the, the the incorporation of the media in this movie is probably the biggest thing to mm-hmm. take away from it because it's like how the media is choosing to cover uh the, these these attacks and how uh under the surface you see eric banner's character kind of dealing with it on a more personal level like trying to overcome you know uh overcome his beliefs and 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 and, and fight for what he believes in and and but meanwhile the the outside world the media is just seeing it from the broader scope and broad perspective and how his how his fight and his plight goes largely like pretty much unnoticed right i mean um so it's just it's fascinating how uh the you know speaking on the media how inhuman almost that aspect of this movie seems as compared to the very human stuff that's happening with Eric Banner. Of course, we have other cast members, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, dude. Yeah. Freaking, every time Daniel Craig comes up on this podcast, we talked about him in Matthew Vaughn, mm-hmm. but I freaking love Daniel Craig, man. Mm-hmm. Everything that he's in, I freaking love him. But uh, but yeah, he's great in this movie too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're, I think they're going for something very specific and in terms of, you know, relating this, to terrorist attacks back back during that time, to the modern stuff that we're seeing now, especially in 2001. This, this movie came out in 2005. Same year as War of the Wars. <laughs> Another year. Spielberg think about it. Th- think about it this time, too. Like It's technically not the same year, but the post and Ready Player One. They're oh, out right, the right. Two months, right. three months. Well, literally, Spielberg shot Ready Player One and was editing, and then he was like, oh, fuck, I need to make the post. And then, like, and then just made it. And then, like, it's coming out. Like, it's crazy, dude. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, it, it definitely is one of those things that Spielberg can ha- handle both mm-hmm. types of movies. Right. But what what is this rank for you as far as, like, Spielberg films and as far as, like, the kind of films that he does? Because I, I think this movie's kind of underrated. I, I don't know how what you feel about yeah, it's it. Yeah, but... it's pretty underrated. I think, that, you know, it doesn't... It, it, it's a different kind of energy than than most other Spielberg movies, right? It's as much about the human emotion as it is about the experience, right? The tension, the suspense that's behind uh, this, the, these tragedies, and, and what's happening. So it's a little more, it's a little more interlaced with with like not as many big character moments and big emotional beats. It's also because it's based on the real life circumstances that a lot of people don't want to talk about, frankly. Uh, so a lot of people kind of dodge the discussion around this movie that sure. they're kind of setting forth. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the idea of a man on a mission. Right. Because that's kind of what the, the running theme in this movie is, the idea of a man obsessed with a mission. It's parallel, parallel themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like coming from a perspective of, of two different people or, mm-hmm. or two different ideologies or, or two different missions. And mm-hmm. the idea of like you're just obsessed with accomplishing something and and you're the idea of like masculinity specifically too and i know it doesn't Mm -hmm. say it in the movie but i'm i'm taking it away from it right and i'm saying like the idea of a man like a man who's gonna accomplish something that's like powerful and for my people or for my good or for my country Mm -hmm. no matter what it is Mm -hmm. and and the idea that you get from the perspectives in this movie is is a very it's very powerful Mm -hmm. because that's what we see now is we see a lot of um, people who take on missions 
and it, 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 that become atrocities mm-hmm. and that become terrorist acts and that mm-hmm. become mass shootings and that become horrific things that take place because of, of, of one man's thought process and one man's obsession right. and his belief and right. his belief yeah. with completing a mission whether it comes from religious belief or whether it comes from whatever ideological feelings towards a group of people mm-hmm. it, it, it it's it's incredibly powerful mm-hmm. the, the 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 type of devastation that one person can cause and the type of um, change that one person can cause if they're willing to go too far right if they're willing to go far enough right right exactly yeah it's very interesting and it's very interesting dealing with those things because it, it's it's definitely one of those themes in the movie um another thing i want to talk about with this movie is the setting and 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 obviously uh, i'm a guy who who a lot of people love the super bowl and stuff and i freaking love the super bowl but i'm one of those guys and i found i found out a lot this year um mm-hmm. well not this year obviously um but last year mm-hmm. that people don't Americans don't I'm, I'm stretching it but a lot of people don't care about the Olympics as much as my family does right um, no people don't frankly people like, don't yeah my family's obsessed with the Olympics yeah. I grew up in, in a household that's very Latino and mm-hmm. very very you know like prideful Colombian prideful Mexican prideful like we specifically Colombian because I, I spent some time in Colombia when the Olympics were going on for a couple different Olympics but basically like for a lot of countries the idea of the Olympics, and obviously maybe not for the U.S., but the idea of the Olympics is very, very, like, you take it so personally. Mm-hmm. And you it's a, such a personally, like, that's my freaking country. And he freaking lifted that weight better than everyone else. And you're like, yo, calm down, bro. Like, like it's, it's lifting weights, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this isn't, like, freaking, like, you're not... Life or death. This isn't like, life or death. But yeah. some countries do, man. And it, and it becomes a very powerfully uh, financial... Uh, a, 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 a political, very political, very political, yeah. um, um, influential campaign type of stuff that other countries pull over the Olympics, and they use that as a message and as branding, and as mm-hmm. as run even running elections and running things and running ads and running campaigns around the Olympics and around the 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 representing your country in the Olympics. It's a very personal, powerful thing for a lot of countries, and I know obviously it's different for you because you grew up in the U.S., but for me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's incredible, dude, and and it's mm-hmm. crazy how this year the, a documentary that came out that I've been talking about so much and I've been obsessing over. It's called Icarus. I've mm-hmm. talked about it on the right, schmoes, right? But it but it, it talks about kind of Russia's obsession with the Olympics and how mm-hmm. they're just like so fucking nationalistic and so crazy that they want to win and want to win mm-hmm. so much so that they've been, you know, a part of a systematic, you know, mm-hmm. you know, turnaround of of using performance enhancing drugs, but right. but. but it, it, it's a it's a message and it's a powerful message that these um you know craziness took place during the olympics a moment where countries are very they have an investment mm-hmm. with 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 the 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 atmosphere the global atmosphere of what's going on mm-hmm. what do you think of that setting and, and that that kind of that message within itself of setting it with these olympics going on at the same time right i mean, I mean crazy. you know the whole idea of the olympics is multiculturalism mm-hmm. right uniting uh as many of these nations as possible and and, and coming together for something extraordinary um uh, so i just think the way that they handle that in this movie is 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 important because especially when it comes down to a big attack that happened, you know, in real life during the, the Munich uh, Olympics, it's, it's, it's crucial that it was a point of conversation that everybody who was represented has a hand in this. And I, I just think it's really funny how, 
you know, going back to the media coverage of, of, of this whole situation, at least the way they portray it in this movie, it's like, it's like yeah, the, the machine's just going to keep moving, you know, frankly, at the end of the day. So, I don't know, it's really, it's really, it's really powerful in that respect. It, it really is. I, I recommend people watching this film, um, whether you like it or not. I think you'll get something out of it. Um, let's move on to, I believe, War Horse. Am War I Horse. correct? Yeah, War Horse. Well, okay, I did it, guys. I made it. I predicted the next movie that we're talking about, <laughs> which is my one job. <laughs> <laughs> War Horse is a movie, though, that doesn't... It's funny. It's one of those movies that's uh, it's not as it's great and and it's it's you know people like it, but it's not as not as well received as other Spielberg films yeah. are. If, am I wrong on that? Well, it's the horse is the main character. Yeah, yeah that's why you know it's it's a little tough for general audiences to get behind the idea of a horse being like the man. Of course, Jamie Bell is the guy who is really the central character in this movie. Um, his relationship the, with the with the horse. The uh, the. Um, is it is it Jamie Bell? I think it's Jamie Bell. Or is it Jamie Irving? J. It might be Jeremy Irving. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. That's that guy. Uh, I'm looking at Ace's laptop for the audio listeners. Uh. Yeah. My mistake. Not Jamie Bell. Um. That's why I was like, is it Jamie Bell? Yeah. I might have misinformed people on the last week's episode of that. Then it's my bad. But anyway, it's about it's about him, and he's and he's dealing with uh like this horse he grew up with and found during World War One or before World War One that he grew up with, and now this horse has to go off to war and fight for the war and. Uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I don't know, man. It's a horse. <laughs> a, movie, a movie came out this year. Um, it's very different movies. Um, oh, freaking, I forget her name. It's the, the other Mara, Kate Mara. Oh, um, right, right, I right. think it's called Megan Levy's War Dog or something Never like that. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, you're right, you're right with the Afghanistan mm-hmm. and the, the the dog. Yeah, but it's but it's uh, it, I think Perry liked it. I think because I heard that she liked it. But it's it's one of those movies though that that um yeah when it comes to like you know the whole like cheese factor i guess you could say or corny factor you might say as far as like yeah but it's a horse though we're like yeah yeah i love that dog but damn you gonna make a whole movie about it <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah. but but as an animal lover with that i am i don't know if you are but I, i'm an animal lover man i i my my mom has a pup and her name is Cora, and she's uh, uh, you've met Cora. She's yeah. a beautiful, adorable, wonderful little dog that I adore, and obviously my mom adores her too. But it, it's crazy because I've I've felt that deep of an emotional connection with just a little bit of time that I spent with Cora, um, in a sense of like, man, I might I might just take a bullet for that damn dog. <laughs> like that's how much I love that dog, mm-hmm. and seeing something, seeing a creature that is that innocent um suffer mm-hmm. just just obliterates you it okay. just destroys you in the sense of like a thought of that might destroy you um it, it almost like it's 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 a it's an innocent baby or an innocent child that you have to protect so i get it i get the i get the the point like a, there's a lot of horse lovers out there that there's a there's a whole like i, I didn't grow up with horses but man i met a lot of people out here in la because I, I did a, a pilot for for a um uh, a tv show mm-hmm. a while back um all about horses. I forget the name of it, but it's it's something horses, something people loving horses. I did a pilot for it. I I did a I ran audio for it, and it, it was like a two day shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy got me the gig, and I went out there, and I went out to the freaking you know fields and farms way out in like 
you know, north, north, north L- LA area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, right, right. But there's a ton of like h- horse culture out there in LA that I didn't even know about, and that people love horses. So I got to spend a lot of time with the horses, and and um, I I get it. I get how people obsess over these animals, and people um, have a very strong connection to it for them going through anything and, and, and correctly riding a horse and, and teaching a horse and teaching it how to ride and all this stuff that I learned that day because I had no idea. I didn't grow up with horses. but so I, so I get what he's going for with that sense. So I just maybe just not a lot of people connect with that. You're right. A lot of people might not connect with just a POV of a horse. Oh, let's be real. <laughs> Is this the best picture nominee, man? Is this the best picture nominee though? I think like, it's beautiful. I shot. I think it's beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. shot yeah, it's incredible. Cinematography is badass. I'd even go as far as to say it's probably the best looking Steven Spielberg movie. It's one of them. And, it's definitely and, one and of the best best looking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just I don't know, man. It's a horse. And but you know, it, it should be also. Said I'm, too. I'm like trying to save this man. I'm trying <laughs> so hard. Hey man, listen. I think I think I think at the I think one thing to add though is it is nice to see a movie. All the movies take place during World War II, whatever. This is the one movie that takes place during World War One, which is uh, just fascinating. Shout out to the World War One. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I what was there to talk about with this movie, man? No, <laughs> I, 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 I talked plenty about it, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I feel like it, it is. It's difficult, and it didn't really connect with people, and I don't think it holds up as well as other Spielberg films as far as yeah. like rewatchability factor. It's definitely not one of his most rewatchable films for sure. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Shout out to horse lovers and people who love horses. <laughs> I love my dog Cora. Shout out to Cora. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Lincoln. Lincoln, absolutely. Lincoln is a crazy movie because this movie was like raining in Oscar nominations. Like this oh, movie definitely. was like raining in Oscar noms and, and getting all those noms and Getting one of the greatest performances we'll probably ever see with uh, Daniel Day Lewis, oh, who man, is go. Oh, I'm yeah. t- I'm telling you, man, this guy is go. Yeah. I haven't even seen like well, I, I haven't even seen Phantom Thread yet. Yeah, and yet seen trailers for Phantom Thread. That's I'm like, like damn. <laughs> you already know he's securing the, the nomination at least. Like, at least the nom, bro. Yeah. Just based off the trailer. Like, nominated for the trailer of Phantom Thread, Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn, off the trailer, though? Really? really? No, seriously. <laughs> but Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie, this movie's long, though. Damn, oh, yeah. it's long. It's like two hours, 30 minutes, something like that, right? Oh, like I, that. I, it feels longer, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long it is, but it felt long. It's damn near black and white. No, I think it's three hours, man. I think this movie this movie is no it's two and a half damn yeah. it feels like three hours <laughs> but um <laughs> so desaturated like i remember watching this in theaters i was like damn is this a black and white movie like it's so desaturated but it is nice to to have uh a lot of the 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 the, the themes that they that, that runs through last Spielberg's thing right sure. the, the one person who's trying to help and, and and rebuild the country and you know this movie was originally you know, nobody wanted to pick it up. Nobody wanted to finance it because it's like, you know, uh, how how sellable is Abraham Lincoln? Um, but they ended up, you know, they're going to take it to HBO to make it a miniseries because the script was that long. I mean, it was a damn near novel that they were that they wrote for a screenplay. Tony Kushner, famous Tony writing, uh, Tony winning writer, wrote the the script for this. And um, you know, you can kind of tell it's it written by a playwright on the fact that it's, it was very stagey and it's very and, stagey and the way That's that it's constructed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I think if anything to take away from this movie is the performance, right? The performance.
performance of Danny Day Lewis. Sally Fields as as uh, JGL. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Shout yeah, out to yeah. JGL who plays his son, yeah, right? Yeah, Am I right? Son, He's yeah. JGL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he comes in for it's really like a couple scenes. But sure. Yeah, it's still nice to see him in something. You yeah. Know? Uh, he did he collaborate with Spielberg before? Or? Uh, this is the first collaboration with Spielberg. It might have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's only collaboration with Spielberg, I guess. But he uh, he's great in this movie. And so is everybody who surrounds this cast. Who's the... Uh, I forget his name, but that guy is... is, is I, I think he's dope, and I think he gets... Um, this Tommy guy. Lee Jones? No, or? D- David uh, David Strahan. David Strahan. Oh, Strahan. right, right, right. That guy's right. dope. I yeah. love that guy. Yeah. That guy pops up in a lot of like small, small roles. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he's still like a solid, solid guy. Right. I freaking love that guy. But yeah, I mean, it, it really is like looking back at this movie, like rewatching part of it because <laughs> it's, it's a long. lot to get to yeah um rewatching part of it made me feel like man the legend of lincoln is like something that's gonna go down in american history is like mm-hmm. yo lincoln's a legend bro yeah legend yeah. and it's crazy because it's it's obviously another an inside look into someone who 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 observes american politics um as much as they can because american politics is american politics but right. you and me, who observe yeah. American politics, you specifically, um, it's interesting getting an inside look at old, old American politics. Well, and you know, and Lincoln was a, a Republican. He was very Republican. Uh, yeah, and that's, I mean, the way Republicanism now is kind it's of crazy. The it's crazy. Like it's like right? a weird shift that it took, right? Yeah, as yeah. As far as yeah. Uh, Republican and Democratic. Yeah, the you know after Lincoln's assassination and and a lot of a lot of factors. I'm not going to go into it on this podcast, but a lot of factors end up shifting kind of the political gauge a little bit. But the the what Lincoln kind of represents is like the old school idea of politics, where like literally the president of the United States will have to go knocking on congressmen's doors to try and swing votes. Um, to abolish slavery and and the uh, the Civil War that was happening, um, so it was literally that's hand over fist politics happening right there. So it's really interesting looking to all of that. So I think it, it's, it's also too like the the the, the, the craziness it must have been for mm-hmm. Lincoln being the president of the U.S. during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. I mean the Civil War, man. That's that that that's some history. Big. That thing was crazy. Yeah. Like when you hear, like when you read about it and you hear about it, as far as like the type of wars that took place during yeah. that time and the deadliest like, war in, uh, in American history. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like bodies on top of bodies on top of bodies. That's mm-hmm. where I believe that's where um, DB Benny Wise and I forget the other guy's name from Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones creator, uh, creators came up with the concept of Battle of the Bastards based on I think uh, stories of the Civil War because mm. they they said they read up on stories of it about the, how the bodies would stack up on each other mm. and how they would they would keep fighting and kind of like fight on hills of people's bodies and mm. just like that sounds horrifying it's yeah. incredibly horrifying yeah. and also the the separation and the, and the confederacy's obsession with keeping slavery so much so that they're willing to go to for, uh, war for it right and yeah. it's like even that though they know they're going to lose like, yeah. <laughs> there is no way the south could have won that war yeah. but they it's again and i think this movie utilizes that well really the fight for this the fight for the civil war is initiated by slavery right what individual people were fighting for were not for or against slavery they're just fighting for their home pride right like for if you're from the north you know there's some people from the war from the north who frankly d- did want slavery yeah. still um and there are people from the south who didn't want slavery but the fact that they had to they, they still had to fight for what they knew true to their home beliefs and their home you know home culture so uh it's just interesting the way that that 
this movie kind of highlights that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, even with the particular congressman and the, the, interacting with them, so and a lot of it too, it shows like um, Lincoln is known for being the tall president, the very strong president, the mm-hmm. very uh, intelligent president, but also like the theatricality of politics and obviously right. we see that on the freaking 10th level with <laughs> with our current president but how like even back then being a, a powerful person able to put in certain amendments into place of the constitution took uh, some form of theatricality like the monologues Link, that he would go Lincoln on. had to do some big yeah. speeches and some big moments and and get emotions out of people from his words and from his speeches mm-hmm. like reading reading Lincoln's words is really like like when you go back like in school you had to memorize it right but when yeah. you go back and read it it shows like this guy was a freaking poet yeah. when it comes to like writing this type of stuff and mm-hmm. and that's why he's such a freaking legend too right. because of the way he's able to incorporate his his ability to reach people on a different level mm-hmm. um is obviously amazing but right absolutely um, I, I think this film is great on so many different levels it's it's one of the best period pieces as far as like historical accuracy as far as like man this thing really felt like it mm-hmm. took place mm-hmm. um and it looks like they had kind of a budget for it too because yeah. it looks pretty i mean everything looks pretty solid right right i mean it, it definitely I, I believe they shot it i don't know exactly what kind of budget they shot it on but it was like a medium budget they were working for and spielberg has so much respect for the material he will show up to set every day wearing a full suit and tie um, oh, just wow. you know, just to you know, because he he respected the material and he knew you know Daniel Day Lewis is not a dude who's breaking <laughs> breaking characters. Apparently, so. he was Lincoln the whole time. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that that was like the famous story that that he was always Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spielberg had to show respect to the president. Yeah. Frankly enough, hey yo Lincoln, uh, you want some Cheetos though? <laughs> I just imagine him like, like a PA, sure, young boy. <laughs> <laughs> if I had some cheat, no, I'm, just, I'm not gonna I do a Lincoln impression. <laughs> but basically, Daniel Day Lewis being Lincoln and transforming into that role, and how it's not even an American yeah. actor playing. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I remember when I remember when the first, not even the trailer, the first image of Lincoln dropped. Oh yeah! I was like, oh, this is an Oscar right here. This oh is an yeah! Oscar. Like yeah. it was like Entertainment Weekly just did the side profile. I think they eventually end up using that image as the poster, but it just did, the did, image yeah. was like, whoa, that's. That's Lincoln right there. Like, that's Absolutely. pretty dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is, is again, one of the craziest movies to, that Steven Spielberg has done, and it got a ton of wins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well-deserved, of course. And yeah. Everyone knew about it. So shout-out to Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. Of course, the last is uh, Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies, yeah, because we haven't seen the post yet, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah Bridge of Spies, man. Bridge of Spies is, is one of those movies that it's funny because when it came out, a lot of people were like, Eh, wasn't as good as, as I wanted it to be. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's kind of unfair to the movie because yeah. I do feel like it's actually pretty good. It is pretty good, um, yeah. and, it, and it obviously gave us a lot of cool moments in the movie and it got Mark Rylance an Oscar. Shout mm-hmm. out to Mark Rylance, mm-hmm. who a lot of people on this podcast might be like, you know, Rob Sylvester Stallone. Because <laughs> yeah, a lot of people predict yeah. this. I predicted uh, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, from uh, which one? From, uh, from Spotlight. Oh, Spotlight. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I, 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 I had Mark Ruffalo because I just because I'm a, a Oscar obsessed uh-huh. kind of guy. But I had Mark Ruffalo winning the the supporting actor, and it was Mark Rylance. And I was like, yeah. Mark, and I was like, Oh, Ruffalo won. Oh no, that's not Mark Ruffalo. Damn it, damn it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this movie Bridge of Spies deal with with a real life 
thing that actually took place too, a historical story, mm. um, which is the the story of Tom Hanks's character. Another collaboration with Tom Hanks. Right. Um, yeah. What do you think about this movie? Because it's not as well uh, regarded. In, in, yeah. In, in, I mean, some people now are saying that the post was better than Bridge of Spies. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have yet to see the post. We don't get the Oscar screener. Guys. No, we like, don't. So hey, listen. If uh, you want to give us Oscar hey, screeners, Disney or who makes this Fox, whoever. Give us this. Come on. Send screeners, us screeners, man. Screeners. Saves us some money. We go to theaters. We support you. I, we'll still support you. Don't I get us wrong. We'll still I, see the movies. If I get a screener, I promise I will always still go watch the movie Absolutely. in theater. Absolutely. We love movies. We just want to see them a little early. I like That's all. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bridge of Spies wasn't as well liked. What do you think of this movie? I actually really like this movie. Yeah. I think that I think what Spielberg was going for is more about the... What's what's the core the 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 public the criminal court gonna rule versus the court of public perception, right? Mm. Um, you know, for and they're parallel storylines again. He does that really well. Mark Rylance is under criminal prosecution, right? He's he's a spy. He's he's coming. Un, he's they're trying to unravel him, and he's just not budging um, to, to 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 any extent. Um, whereas Tom Hanks, he's he's a dude who. Uh, you know his family has to go like go like in the hiding, and he's undercover, and he's he's trying to you know protect this dude. But it's it's like you know the court the the, the people aren't for him, so it's like where, where does that lay the ideological conflict that? So it's it's a lot of interesting themes that they're going. It's for crazy because the amount of persecution this guy must have gotten must have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Like even mm-hmm. even if I was thinking about it, you know, doing brushing up on this movie. It's crazy. The the even I was thinking about it. I was like, even if he did this now, he would still get <laughs> yeah. Like he would still get a lot of shit. Oh, no, seriously. Um, yeah. And doing it back then, damn. Mm-hmm. Like that must have been crazy. The amount of hatred he got, right. and the amount of like basically like you traitor is mm-hmm. like the kind of re- reception he probably would have gotten. Right. Is is absolutely like I can't. I don't think I would have been able to do it. Just mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's the idea of of the law and the idea of what kind of protections America gives you um, versus um, being burned by the public and being burned by uh, patriotism and how patriotism can be um, something that people can cling to so much so that Mm -hmm. they're don't care about the individual. Right. Right. It's basically what it is. And as, as a lot of great scenes, there's a scene in the, in the prison uh, with Mark Rylance and and there's a, obviously the courtroom stuff is great but mm-hmm. but it but yeah I think it got a little bit of unfair um, it's obviously not in the level of Lincoln or something like that but it still is a very solid solid Spielberg movie that gives a lot to it and it, and it's an interesting period piece of that time period because watching when you read up and when you watch some documentaries and when you watch some you know historical stuff of that period mm-hmm. man. Like some people would have rather died than to accept any form of like communist communism mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or like anything red or it was just crazy. Was well, that's really crazy. you know that's that's the bigger thing that you're going for in, in this movie, like the McCarthyism era of like you know uh, the government blacklisting people and trying to find people who are potentially. And, and even if you say a comment, it sounds kind of like that. Or even yeah. if you say something, it was just like crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. type of stuff that they were dealing with back then was pretty gnarly like that's why it's called like the cold war because in in a sense it was still kind of a war yeah that was going on it was like a war against the people Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. you know a war against ideology Mm -hmm. um and i think this movie really highlights that and mark rylance i mean 
Listen, he did beat Stallone, which did upset me a little bit. And he beat uh, Mark Ruffalo, which has upset me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> I mean, I got. Well, I, I, I don't want to. The spotlight came out a long time ago. Spotlight I, is great, yeah. man. Uh, I, well, I just, I just, I, I don't know if he was the best performance in that though. I, I would have given that Oscar. Leaf Schreiber. Like, Leaf Schreiber. Yeah. I like yeah. Mark Ruffalo, but all right, whatever. Yeah. No, no, but I get where you're coming from. No, I, I, no. I, I like. Creed was my favorite movie that year, so I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, I, I still felt like Michael B. Jordan kind of got. He got shocked. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Yeah. Fun uh, fact, by the way, if Stallone would have won, it would have been the first time in Oscar history a white actor would have. Won an Oscar being directed by a black black director. Oh, that's interesting. That would have been the first time that happened. Really? Yeah, because yeah, because Fassbender didn't win for Twelve Years a Slave. He yeah. was nominated, but he didn't win, did he? Nor shame. Yeah, no, he didn't. And the first time a black actor went under a black director was Denzel for Training Day. Um, right. But any other, any other, like no other, you know, that would have happened. Other, so that would have been a piece of. History nobody would have talked about, I think, but I just thought it was funny. No, that's kind of uh, interesting for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, guys, um, that was our Bridge of Spies conversation. Let's see. Read it on Creed. <laughs> let's, let's read on any comments that you guys might have given us from see. last week. Uh, what would you say? Um, uh, yeah, this is a comment that was kind of bold, but um, Tanashi says, What do you think is Steven Spielberg's worst film, and what is his most underrated film? Worst? Um, I mean, I don't know about his worst. I, I might. I I actually might put Kingdom of the Crystal Skull up there as his worst. Really? It's that okay. bad. Um, it really is bad. Mm. Um, 1941's not great. Um, what was the other one? I, oh, I haven't seen. To be fair, we didn't ones. see Always. So. We didn't see Always. That could be the worst. That we just we just haven't seen. Underrated. It. We said Munich before. I did say Munich, yeah. and I'm gonna stick by Munich. I would say Munich is his underrated film. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a good question. Uh, underrated. I mean, I don't know. Because Catch Me If You Can is on near the top for me, and I just don't know if it's on the top for everybody else. Um, but that'll be that'll be near the top for me, and I I think that's that that's a really good one. Um, we also have another one from Mister Schmoes Beardo uh, here, Brian. He asked. Why does Hook get such a bad rap? Because um, it's very cheesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of over the top, and because again, that character of Hook is, whew, it's kind of bad. It's, right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's just not, not great. Right, right. And because justice for Rufio. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like that. It's, it's a little too over the top. So right. that's my response to Mr. Beardo. Right. Another one here from um, Sam DeGlando, who writes, um, what is your favorite scene from any of Spielberg's films? Oh, um, um, kitchen scene from Jurassic Park's up there. Um, the, the rain scene from Jurassic Park's freaking up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, clip scene, the, the cliff scene from The Lost World is, is something that I would rewatch so many times as a kid because I was like, this is so incredible. Um, Should we take the uh, Saving Private Ryan off the table? The opening. Oh, see for that. Yeah, that will probably be mine. But I think that's too easy. Yeah, um, I don't think that's too easy. I think that's just great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Saving Private Ryan has a lot of good ones. Uh, with like the sniper scene we mentioned before. Um, I would personally say Catch Me If You Can, where Frank and 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 Tom Hanks's character—I always forget his name—but they meet up in that 
in that, that hotel room or what? What is it? Uh, at the ho- oh, the hotel room is a great scene too. Oh, the, the I, was say. But I was gonna say like the 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 check printing warehouse in oh, France. Gotcha, gotcha. Like that to me is. I mean, it's not. To me, that's the best Leonardo DiCaprio acting. Like I, I think I've ever in, in any of his movies. Gotcha. Just in that scene. Um, so what that's probably you, you didn't like when he was grunting in the Revenant. When he was like, oh, oh. <laughs> cutting horses open like his goddamn Star Wars. I don't know. You know. We're, we're, we're crazy. Um, uh, Brian Fernandez says two questions for you guys. Uh, what is the worst uh, Steven Spielberg movie? We kind of just answered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the most overrated Spiel- Spielberg movie? Overrated. Overrated. That's different from worst. Um. Well, what's on his filmography that's like? What's, what? What? Do most people regard. Well, no. You know what? These kind of questions are ba- are baity, man. Because like, overrated. I mean, listen. I'm not. Fuck. I don't want to. I don't want to. People put Jaws. Say it, okay. You know. Sir. Here's what I say. People put Jaws at the top. I wouldn't put it at the top. So does that make it overrated? Technically, does that mean I don't like love it? No, I love the movie. <laughs> but is it my favorite? No, it's not my favorite. So by definition, it's overrated to me. Uh, I'm gonna say know. a controversial one. What's, what's, what's that? Um, overrated. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, it's still good. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying Minority Report. Really? Like, oh. I like the concepts they deal with. I just feel like they go a little too, like too sci-fi in there. Yeah, they just yeah. drag out a little too much with certain things, and they don't. They don't get as specific enough as I want them to for certain moments in the film, specifically towards the end of the movie. Um, it's still great. I just feel like it, there's still some quirky stuff in there that didn't work for me, and right. there's still uh, moments that I would have done away with. Though I will say Minority Report maybe has my favorite line out of any Spielberg movie. That's like uh, when he says... This is what we call an orgy of evidence. <laughs> just I don't know why that line just sticks to me like glue. Like I don't know. That's that's a funny line. Um, you know what? Going back to underrated question. I mean, I don't know if we got an underrated question, but if there's an underrated movie, I'd definitely say AI is my most underrated. Oh, got you. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, any other ones that you I see? I think I think that's pretty much it. That's cool, all man. we got. All right, thank you guys for sending in those questions two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't as many as we wanted it to be, but hey, it is that's what, what it you is. guys sent us, so yeah. that's what it is. Right. Um, yeah, if obviously we let you know last week what's your favorite type of genre Spielberg film. We're going to ask you what's your favorite historical Spielberg film, and obviously on a personal level, what does Spielberg mean to you? We'll throw that question out again just because it's a good question and we like reading different responses. Um, yeah, give us a, uh, give us a story, guys. Tell us a story in the comment section. Ooh. Give us a story of the your first time watching a Spielberg film. What was that experience like? Who did you watch it with? Why did you watch it? Um, because I think they're always interesting, and I think it's always fun as a child experiencing a Spielberg film for the first time. So let us know what's your first Spielberg film that you ever saw, and what did you remember seeing it from? Um, I am Ace. This is RB3. And this is the Meaning of Podcast, guys, where we dive into the deeper meaning of your favorite filmmakers' films. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share. Um, share as much as you can, guys, because uh, we're here for you guys. So if you guys want us to talk about anything, let us know. Um, if you guys feel like we need to bring something up, let us know. Follow us on Twitter as well, because we're on there. Which during the Olympics at that time 
um, like 1986 or something like that. Yeah, something like that, or 76 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, something like but that. It, but it's one of those movies that deals with um, the, the the craziness that took to- that took time from what would you do during the situation and what people were going through during mm-hmm. the situation. Are you good, bro? Wait, I gotta take a break, man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Oh fuck! I know you just see me like flipping out, just like oh. Fuck, I thought I was going to line. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> it seemed like literally dying here. I'm like, oh, my. Oh. It's like fucking alien coming into your eye. <laughs> and I'm just watching that. <laughs> and I'm not saying shit. Uh, I'm just like, oh, by the way, there's a fucking alien in your eye. And you're slowly like, oh, oh. <laughs> what is my fa- Oh, yeah, by the way, dude, you don't have an eye. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. What happened, dude? I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Did you have an allergic reaction? Maybe. Nah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know. It was probably like looking at lights for too long. Might look fine now. Fuck, like, dude. Like, fuck. Like, yeah, you're like, good. You're yeah. good. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. But... Oh man. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so fuck. I just, I laughed because I let it go because it was like in my head I'm like do I fucking let it go there? Yeah, my eyes are like literally. What like, I do? What I do? <laughs> <laughs> I've been out. Oh, uh, you know. ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, let me clap again. Mm-hmm. And.